Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Susie Harris, and you're listening to Next 7, a podcast focused on gaining easy access to clean organic foods, clean water, and functional health care so we can ensure that we're leaving our next seven generations a world that allows them to thrive. It's a very near and dear to my heart. And today, I'm super excited. I have with me a delightful person I've come to know over the last few years who proves to us that sustainable farming and the production of clean, nutrient-dense foods is possible. It's my pleasure to welcome Bob Fireovid, co-owner of Health Hero Farm in South Hero, Vermont. Bob and his partner, Joan Falco, left their lives in DC behind about seven years ago to begin a new life of sustainable farming and bringing the healthiest foods possible to our local community. So welcome, Bob. Oh, thank you very much, Susie. It's a pleasure to participate in this wonderful yeah. series. Mm -hmm. I'm super excited to have you here. Um, I've known you for a few years and I just, our conversations are generally so heartfelt and uh, so positive at the same time, recognizing we've got work to do, keeping our food supplies good. So I'm excited to have your perspective here. Um, I did you. notice, yeah, you're welcome. When I was researching your background a bit that you and Joan were in the computer and chemical engineering worlds living in DC before you came to Vermont and uh, you came to Vermont and picked up a 180 acre grass fed cattle farm. Can you share with us a story about what got you to shift your worlds to farming in Vermont in your retirement years? Oh, sure. Yes. Um, well, while we were still doing desk jobs in um, outside Washington, D.C. for the federal government, uh, we both started to learn about the importance of um, diet in health and good health. Um, I had uh, found out that I had uh, gluten intolerance, possibly celiac disease, and um, that made me more aware, not just about gluten, but also about other um, triggers in our foods and in the environment. And uh, Joan had a, uh, has a grandson, two grandchildren uh, who had gone through um, some problems with uh, um, uh, illness and, and that were related somewhat to, again, environmental triggers and diet. And so when we were about to retire, we wanted to uh, do something that was more healthy. We wanted to produce healthy foods. We felt it was very important, not just for ourselves, but for others. And so we started to look at uh, uh, places to do farming. Joan took a lot of time and went traveling around the eastern uh, half of the country, looking at uh, various uh, intentional communities <clears throat> that had farms, mm -hmm. and um, we finally settled on uh, Vermont. Uh, we had friends who had already come up here and lived in intentional communities, and uh, we uh, ended up partnering with a couple of uh, farmers who had experience, and so we, uh, the four of us, went into purchasing this property and uh, producing organic foods. Beautiful. That's amazing. Now, when you say intentional community, what does that mean? 
Uh, that is a, uh, a group of people who uh, they intentionally uh, start a community of, uh, they might, in most cases, they build a community. A couple of examples in the Burlington area or, or our area is uh, Ten Stones mm -hmm. in Charlotte. And also there's uh, Champlain Valley co-housing in Charlotte. There's a Burlington co-housing mm -hmm. uh, that's off of East Street in Burlington. Uh, they don't do much. Uh, they do gardening. But uh, these others, uh, Ten Stones and uh, uh, Champlain Valley, uh, they have larger gardens and uh, uh, at least sometimes raise livestock also. Awesome. So kind of just yeah. like you said, intentional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a little microcosm. Yep. Yep. And they're, they're all, uh, well, except for the Burlington one, they're out in more rural settings, which... Mm -hmm. uh, um, we feel is uh, a key component to good health as well, mm -hmm. having access to nature. Oof, yeah, isn't that the truth? Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people coming through my practice these days, dealing with some of the stress of our current scene, getting out in nature is the best way to ground it. It's just getting out and witnessing the magic. They, nature doesn't care what's going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's, it's above it. <laughs> Thank yeah. goodness. <laughs> yes, beautiful thing. Well, so, you know, part of my podcast's purpose is to raise awareness about organic farming and, you know, trying to make sure that we hear what farmers do and what they're up against and what they enjoy and all that stuff. One of the things that came to my mind was the sustainability the viability of your farm how how easy or difficult is it to sustain what you do well um yes the uh the operation that we have right now is focused on grass-fed beef 100 percent grass-fed beef mm -hmm. and uh from a sustain sustainability perspective the um the advantages of grass-fed uh livestock is that we don't have to uh, add any kind of uh, fertilizer mm -hmm. to the soil. The animals do that. Beautiful. They poop on it and uh, pee on it, and that provides uh, most of what the land needs. Now, uh, we may add a little bit of minerals here and there. Uh, we'll do like soil analyses and see, oh, it's a little short of potassium in this field or phosphorus in that field, we might add a little bit to kick off the growth of forages. But it's really just nature on its own. And it's been fascinating. We, um, one of the problems or issues that we deal with as, in a cattle operation, uh, because of all the uh, manure that gets dumped on the land, are flies. Mm. Uh, face flies for mm -hmm. the cattle. And so trying to control that is very important. And one of the keys we found is that, of course, the flies, they spend part of their lives uh, in the, the pupa or larva stage in the manure. The eggs get laid in the manure and the, uh, the larvae get hatched there and live there. But if the uh, land is organic, they have the, there are these other insects called dung beetles. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And they're called dung beetles for a reason because they love to hang out in manure patties. And they will go through a uh, manure patty in a day, just totally uh, kind of wipe it out mm-hmm. and make it uninhabitable for most of the fly larvae. And for the first few years that we were here, we had very few dung beetles. Hmm. But we found that the longer we stayed here, uh, the more dung beetles we have and the more better fly control we have. We later learned that prior to us, this farm was a horse farm uh, by a rich gentleman farmer. And... uh, Horse farms typically use a certain deworming compound for their horses. Mm. And that gets into the manure and the soils. It's a, uh, it's a toxin. It's a poison. It's mm-hmm. non-organic. And I, we assume that through the years now, with the disappearance of this uh, deworming poison in our soils, that now it's a good... Uh, soil for dung beetles and other uh, things to grow in. So, and we're seeing more earthworms, of course, because we're getting more manure on uh, uh, the earth. And um, yeah, it's it's wow. fun to watch. Boy, what a beautiful demonstration of how nature just balances itself if we can right. find ways to not use toxin <laughs> things. Right. I mean, I know we can't always avoid it a thousand percent, but you know. For the most part, if we take the boot off, nature just balances itself. It does, yes. If you leave it alone, it's mm-hmm. uh, very no- good. Now, we do do some things on the farm here that do not involve chemicals, but do involve trying to control weeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for instance, we had a big problem with the big patches of thistle. There were forests of thistle that uh, the cattle couldn't eat it, uh, mm-hmm. nothing could use it. Mm-hmm. And so... The only way to control it uh, in an organic way was to do things like burn it and pull it and Mm. um, keep cutting it. And we've been doing that and making great strides. And uh, so we find a lot of of times, yeah, it is a lot of work, but it's really paying off because a lot of times what replaces that thistle for some reason we find is clover, which is a beautiful plant that fixes nitrogen from the air and provides nitrogen for all the other plants in the soil and, and animals. And yeah, it's wonderful. I find that magical. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome. And what does it mean to have a certified organic pasture? That means that uh, someone comes out and inspects the pastures, makes sure that, uh, we are not using any chemicals. They'll ask, now they'll ask questions about rotational grazing. Uh, how often do we rotate it? How much residue do we leave on the ground for the, the grass and forages to regrow? What do we, how do we control weeds? Do we add herbicides or, or do we pull and burn and mm-hmm. uh, cut? Um, how do we do it? And so, yeah, someone comes here and and uh, uh, grills us on our practices, and and at the end of the day, they said, "Okay, yeah, you're doing it right." Awesome. So you get that's the certification process. Mm-hmm. And I I noticed uh, just when I was looking around in your website and that sort of thing, 
the Northeast Farmers Association. What, what are those guys? What do they do? Northeast, um, there's, you mean, there's the Northeast the Organic Farming. Uh, uh, and then there's, um, well, that's the NOFA, mm -hmm. Northeast Organic Farming Association. And then uh, within that, um, Vermont has its uh, sub-organization within that. Each state has its sub-organization. So uh, we get certified by NOFA Vermont. I see. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I think about when I'm having conversations with my patients and we're identifying some of their gut health issues, skin health issues, even uh, hormone and mood problems, things like that, it's usually coming down to the gut microbiome. And, you know, we have a process that we go through to kind of help them clear their body, do some cleansing, but it's really about lifestyle coaching and getting people educated and curious about flipping their shopping to be organic. Um, how is it that you get your beef to the public, your farm? Uh, well, we sell it, uh, most of it is sold directly to consumers. We have, mm -hmm. uh, uh, people can order through our website. Uh, we keep a list of the current uh, products we have available. They uh, click on the list and uh, what they want and send it to us. And, and we uh, offer free delivery in the greater Burlington, Shelburne, Charlotte, uh, St. Albans area. Um, so much of it is our direct sales. We do have some wholesale customers as well. We used to have a couple of uh, restaurants, but they evaporated. Yeah. Um, but uh, we still sell to the... Intervale Center for their CSA and also Jericho Settlers for their CSA. Okay. And we also, interestingly enough, we sell whole sides of beef to a, um, a CSA customer down in Nantucket. Okay. He, so comes all way, he comes all the way up here to get our beef because he says the Nantucket people are willing to pay uh, whatever it takes for good beef. <laughs> there it is. And there it is. Um, yeah. Do you have any personal thoughts or ideas about what it is that keeps people from choosing organic foods? Do you? Yeah. Um, I've known people actually who did eat organic food, but now have gone back. And I think part of that is because of all of the controversy about uh, the organic labels mm -hmm. and how it's uh, been somewhat um, tainted um, by industrial agriculture. That, uh, for instance, uh, some organic um, grains that are fed to uh, organic livestock so that the farmer for the uh, livestock can say, well, I've fed them organics. It comes from overseas. Oh. And no... There's no way the USDA is checking on whether those are really organically produced. I see. And, uh, but they just take the importer's word for it. And there are other um, issues as well as far as uh, credibility is concerned there that I think people are concerned about. But I think also uh, there's the cost issue. 
-hmm. it does it does cost more money in our current food agriculture system the way mm -hmm. that agricultural subsidies mm -hmm. are are done by the USDA and I know some about this because I used to work in the USDA mm -hmm. um, it uh, it makes it makes non-organic products very cheap yeah. uh, in comparison right yeah it's been my dream I know this is lofty but I think through this podcast and other, ways of collaborating with people I meet along the way. I mean, if it's a conscious choice to farm conventionally versus organically, and we know money is the big driver. I mean, imagine if we had an intention and somehow a path to whatever money it takes to help farmers flip. Uh, most of the people that I speak with would prefer to do that, mainly because it's just magical and healthier for the farmers and the beings yeah. that they're raising and knowing you're doing something amazing for the planet, but the money for the farmer is prohibitive. So right. I don't have the answers, but I certainly have a lot of questions and I will be pushing through That's the rest great. of my career to That's figure great. out why can't That's we just great. find the money? Yeah. Well, I think another thing too, is that, um, you know, there's a property, problem in this uh, nation on with obesity. Mm -hmm. uh, much of that is due to eating the wrong foods, eating highly processed, uh, high in carbohydrate products that um, uh, end up changing people's biochemistry to produce more fats and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But I also think people, uh, they do overeat here. Mm -hmm. And we are we would be very happy if we had more customers who ate less meat, but the mm -hmm. right meat. Yes. Um, and I know that I think we ourselves find that if we eat less, if we fast for a little period of time now and then, mm -hmm. we're much more healthy mm -hmm. and we don't need to eat as much. Yeah. So we can take the $100 uh, that we might spend a week on, groceries and um, rather than we'll just eat less and, and spend it on more high quality, higher priced, but higher quality foods. Mm -hmm. And we're better off for it. I do see that in my practice as well, that when we get people shifting at the pace they can do to more nutrient dense foods, the brain sort of recognizes that nutrition coming in and the appetite center shuts off. Yeah. So if, you, if you sit and eat things that aren't nutrient dense, the body's just like, where's the food? So it keeps that <laughs> appetite up there. <laughs> yeah. So, we have a couple of uh, recipes, one for bone broth mm -hmm. and another one for uh, liver pate, Ooh. which uh, most time I don't like liver, but the liver okay. pate is very good. Wow. And, I find I just need a little teaspoonful or two of the pate and I'm mm -hmm. good for a couple of hours. Yeah. It's the fat and protein content will just balance your blood sugar right out. Yeah. yeah. So teaching people uh, the nutrient dense way to eat so that we can, I mean, it doesn't feel like you have to like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Portion your food because you can't afford it. It's more just you actually feel satiated and <laughs> right. energy and you know you feel good. That's I did notice good. 
Yeah. On your website, you do have uh, some recipes there. That's awesome. I love that. And you guys sell caramels? We do. There's a, a fellow farmer not far from us who uh, she's a goat um, farmer. Uh, we call her the goat lady. Nice. <laughs> Interesting. She's got a PhD in microbiology herself and, mm. and now she's farming. But um, yeah, she makes these delicious uh, goat milk caramels. That Beautiful. Are, yeah. That Some like of our nice. customers have called them the best caramels in the world. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> What a great, like, you know, I know whenever I go home to Michigan, bringing Vermont stuff, that would be a great Vermont gift. Yes. Carry mm. half to somebody. Um, so, you know, who inspires you? I, I, you know, I was thinking about this today because I do like to kind of keep, we want this info. We'll get a little bit more from you, but just the heart of the matter. It's, it's easier just to kind of do your own thing and not work so hard to be in service to a need for humanity. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what inspires you to keep your boots on the ground, making things better like that? Yeah. Um, the, uh, a couple of things, Susie. Um, one thing is actually, uh, some of my spiritual teachers. Um, I have a Native American spiritual teacher myself, and she's uh, she and I are both uh, around the same age, um, uh, 65 or so, and she's still going strong. She has a cattle farm herself and out in the middle of the mountains in Southwest Virginia, raises her own chickens, and um, uh, she has uh, no uh, piped water and, um, she's healthier than most people half her age. Um, she's a real inspiration. Um, another one is, uh, well, the Weston Price Foundation, mm -hmm. they, um, we, uh, we get their Wise Traditions magazine that has a lot of great articles about uh, nutrient dense foods and, and, um, uh, indigenous, uh, uh, recipes and, and diets and, and how healthy they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, our, um, our original partners that we went in with, uh, Eric Noel, he was a beef farmer. He taught us everything about, uh, it's uh, intensive uh, rotational grazing, and, and um, he was uh, a firecracker about knowing all that stuff. He was mm. one time president of the Vermont Grass-Fed uh, Farm Grass uh, Farmers Association, and and we learned and, and were inspired incredibly by him. So we're very grateful. And my actually my daughter too. <laughs> Interestingly enough, she's uh, somehow picked up uh, a, an attitude of trying to help people. And, and um, uh, her, uh, um, she's been getting training through some group called Next Level. Uh, it's an emotional training group as well. And, but she espouses and they espouse about uh, uh, it's really about helping others to, to be successful. You just have to be totally 
committed to helping others. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joan has it as well. She loves helping people with their diets and, and mm-hmm. uh, with recipes and such and giving them the, the best uh, options for our packages. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, we really enjoy uh, helping people eat right and eat healthy and, mm-hmm. and, and take care of their health. That's we invite awesome. people to come to the farm and because we think that's part of it too is uh, again, being out in nature and, and uh, interacting with the animals mm-hmm. um, kind of takes it out, takes you out of yourself into the wider universe of, of what life is. It's really nice, really healthy. I think that's so helpful. I mean, people who deal with anxiety and depression and, just feel stuck in general, maybe. I think we all know it, we've seen it, it's just how do you get yourself to it? But when you put yourself in service to something outside yourself, you just have this expansive love and uh, it comes back yeah. and brings you to a place of feeling connected and purposeful and that's awesome. Yeah. I know. So do you have any uh, stories about how your high quality meats have had a high uh, positive impact on anyone that you can like a story of anybody that you've helped? Yes. Um, we've had, uh, well, there's one customer in particular who, um, moved to the Burlington area, uh, about a year and a half ago. And, um, she has issues with, uh, low iron. I actually have issues with high iron, not caused by beef eating. I've always had this problem. Mm-hmm. But uh, she has issues with anemia, and uh, so she has to eat a lot of beef. And I don't know if you probably re- have felt this too, Susie. If you eat a lot of just regular tra- traditional grass grain-fed beef, mm-hmm. you feel like ugh. It's a lot of inflammation. <laughs> Yuck! <laughs> I couldn't eat. I used to not be able to eat beef, but mm-hmm. uh, she says that our beef is really the only thing she can eat and she feels so much better. Uh, and I think she's probably the one who illustrates it the most, but there are others who tell us that, Hey, this is different. This, uh, this is like what my great grandmother used to serve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I, it tastes good. Yeah. I feel good. <laughs> it doesn't make you, yeah, you have an easier digestive experience for sure. That makes me think when you say it's what our grandparents say, my, one of my drives for potentiating clean food and, and, you know, unpoisoned food, I guess, maybe that's too cheeky. But anyway, when uh, my grandmother was passing away a number of years ago, I went to a organic store and got a bunch of food and went and spent a week with her and we just cooked and laughed and just had time together because she was in about to let her medications go she didn't want to do that stuff anymore and she said to me oh my goodness the food like tomatoes she was like I can't find tomatoes that taste like this and (laughs) it was just that moved me so much and she got me right in the eyes and she said you make sure you tell people about this 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> because fabulous. getting your foods from conventional and I don't want to harm any conventional means because I know we're all trying to help each other, but um, she lost her appetite. Really? This, the food didn't taste right to her. Yeah. So I just have such a deep heart commitment in that way that not only the next seven generations needing us to pay attention, but our elders need to be receiving this uh, nutrient-dense food, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would add, too, about the tomatoes that um, you've probably noticed this as well. Uh, um, we love organic tomatoes uh, that we get from our local farmers. But the organic tomatoes that are we get now from places that we suspect are hydroponically grown, Mm-hmm. They don't taste. Nope. You need same. that soil. Yeah. Yeah. They may be organic, but they're not really. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's something too doing it right in the earth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So what about people who, families who deal with food insecurity? I don't expect you and I to solve this problem right here, but do you have any thoughts about how to get your kind of uh, quality meats to the food shelves for families that are, I know you can't just do that today, but how do we get these foods in our, in our pantries for people who are food insecure, dealing with food insecurity? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very important. We do um, have certain cuts like liver mm -hmm. that we have an excess of. And actually we're blessed because our cattle are so healthy that um, we get a lot of liver from them. Uh, mm -hmm. Most times at the butcher, the uh, USDA or state inspector will condemn the livers because they're, they're diseased um, or compromised in some way. And so they can't be sold. But our, in most cases, our livers are just fine. And mm -hmm. so we can have them. We, and um, we donate them to food shelters, and, and which is a great uh, ingredient for stews, et cetera, Beautiful. that they put together. Uh, we also, we have a, um, a cold room uh, that we built ourselves, and uh, uh, we uh, partner with a, um, uh, a group in Northwest Vermont, um, Healthy Roots, that provides, uh, that does gleaning, Oh, yeah. At, at um, uh, local farms. And so uh, they'll take that, uh, those gleaned vegetables and um, store it in our uh, cold room. And, and when they're ready, they, they'll distribute it at food shelves, et cetera. We're very, very honored to be a part of that. So that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and for people who may not know what gleaning is, that's people come in behind the farmer after they've harvested and, and take what's left behind. That's right. Or if the farmer can't sell everything that uh, he produces and, and they're, they're still on the vine, they'll come in and pick it. And, and still a run. lot of super healthy field uh, food there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we've got a few more minutes here. I, I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, what's the single most important action you think an individual can take to make a positive impact on on things. Yeah. Um, well, as a farmer 
And as someone who's involved in the food system now <clears throat> and has had issues uh, and, and understands issues related to uh, healthy foods and, and um, nutrient-dense foods and diet um, and seen how our system works, I think the best thing that people can do is to know who your farmer is and how they produce products. So uh, that, of course, um, usually means buying locally uh, because then you can really know your farmer. You can go visit them, see what they do. Mm -hmm. um, do they have farming practices that will uh, that are regenerative, that will be sustainable, that will grow uh, healthy soils? Do they, of course, grow healthy foods for people? Um, and uh, uh, keeping the poisons out from, from us? And do, do they raise their animals in a humane manner mm -hmm. and, and feed their animals uh, with healthy foods and, and uh, keep them healthy? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think if, if everybody started doing that, I think our food system would change overnight. I agree. I think that's true. It just, what a beautiful thing that would be. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Is there any sort of resource, like a website or anything, where people can go see Vermont farms and be able to access their data like that, like how they practice? Well, the NOFA Vermont, the mm -hmm. uh, Northeast Organic Farmers uh, Association of Vermont, uh, lists farms that um, are certified organic. Uh, there's also um, a um, uh, ethical eater VT mm -hmm. that lists farms that are humane certified. Ethical um, eater. Ethical eater VT. Okay. .org. Yeah. It lists farms that are certified and, and it's maybe a little out of date now because it listed some outlets, including restaurants that serve those foods. Some of those restaurants may not be operating uh, as much anymore, if at all. Uh, but that's another resource. Uh, Eatwild.org uh, is another one, but they uh, they don't list all the farms. And um, I, I've heard from farmers that they're having trouble getting listed on that uh, for who knows why. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not any good reason. But um, mm -hmm. the, in our local area, we have uh, the Champlain Islands uh, Agricultural Network. And um, they have a website and they list all the farms uh, on the, uh, the uh, Champlain Islands here. Okay. Champlain Islands Agricultural Network. Yep. I'll put mm -hmm. that in the uh, notes for this episode so people can click on oh, that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with also, um, how can our listeners stay connected and support you? Oh, well, uh, we have a website. It's simply healthherofarm, all one word, dot com. And um, they can sign up to receive our monthly newsletter, uh, which most times updates customers about the availability of a product, but also has some stories from time to time about <laughs> naughty calves or something else <laughs> <laughs> that are fun. 
stories on the farm that you don't get to know unless you're there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I just, I really am so thrilled that I got to have you with me today. Um, uh, was, is there anything else on your mind that I didn't talk with you about that you'd like people to hear? Well, that um, alternative medicine, and I'm sure you have this uh, in other podcasts too, but alternative medicine, like what you provide, kinesiology, chiropractic, um, proper supplements, is it's another leg to the stool of good health. Um, eating right, uh, doing alternative uh, health and healing, um, Spiritual, I think, is another one. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it's all uh, what you do is just as important as as uh, good farming and good diet. So thank you very much for what you do. Wow. Thanks for that plug. I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, you deserve it. <laughs> thank you so much. It is really, uh, it's a work that um, I enjoy doing. It's, it gives back. It's good stuff. So there's so much going on at the moment that's challenging people. Maybe we could end with hearing two things you're grateful for. Oh, grateful. You know, one thing I've learned uh, through my uh, uh, teachers is that uh, being grateful, giving thanks mm -hmm. is magic. And so... Um, many mornings I'll get up and I thank Grandmother Earth mm. and Grandfather Son for all of the energy, food, clean water, medicine, that it all comes from them. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for them. And I'm so also so grateful for all of the, uh, ancient wisdom, indigenous wisdom that uh, some people still have. And it's so, so rich mm. with information that we need right now. And I'm so grateful for all of that, that we still have access to. Awesome. Yeah. Thank wow. You. Thank you so much. I am so grateful for you. No, not for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, once again, thank you for joining me and hearing Bob's story. And uh, this is Next 7. We're on a mission to see that everybody has access to clean, organic, nutrient-dense foods in an effort to leave a cleaner planet and an opportunity for our elders and our next seven generations to thrive. So thank you very much for being here with me today. <laughs>